0: Well, good morning. good morning. It's always good to see you guys. How many of you are honestly happy to be here? I mean, honestly. All right, good. How many of you would, let me put it this way, how many of you would rather be here than shopping for the best minivan in the city right now? All right. For those of you off-site, you have no idea what I'm talking about. It would take too long to explain it's not important, but you are. All right. <laughs> we're glad that you're here, and uh, we are excited uh, to have you join us. Uh, if you're in an offsite campus or maybe um, in the warehouse or uh, the uh, chapel or maybe on the internet or podcast, wherever you might be, we're glad that you are along. Let me just say, first of all, I've gotten so many questions on it. I'm going I'm to answer it. When I put my hands in my pocket, you see this. This is uh, a design. I don't know what it means. It's the style of shirt. It's not a new shirt. It's just one I can fit into after a week of fasting. Okay, so so here we go. Here we go. Let me ask you a question. How many of you, for the most part, enjoy the people that God has sprinkled into your life right now? Okay, all right. All right, family members co-workers, friends, college roommates, teammates, whatever. You kind of enjoy them. Now, have you know, there's always one or two that you have to love by faith. Does anybody know any of those? Don't point. They may be with you today. We used to affectionately around here. In fact, we call them, we do still a little bit call them EGRs. If you have a small group, um, every small group is going to have at least one EGR. That's an extra grace required person. <laughs> and if you can't think of who they are, it's probably you, okay? Yeah, yeah. So 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 here's the question. So, all right, if you're enjoying the people that God has sprinkled in your life, but you got one or two that are a little bit of a problem, they cause you to love them by faith... How can you enjoy people that are hard to love? That's one of the things that I want to talk about today. We're studying Philippians, okay? Philippians, we're calling it the DNA of joy because Paul is writing, and over and over and over again, he talks about joy in Philippians. What do we know about Philippians? Well, it's interesting that a book about joy was written from kind of a unjoyful or a non-joy-filled space in Paul's life. He was um, a prisoner in Rome, um, probably under house arrest. Uh, There was a Roman guard with him all of the time. So it wasn't like a vacation. Hey, having a great time. You guys ought to be joyful too. No, he writes it from kind of a space that's not really full of joy. And he writes it to the church in Philippi. What do we know about them? We know that they were the first church plant that he did in Europe. We know that it was a mature church. The letter to Philippi, the Philippian letter, is not like the letter to Corinthians, the two letters to Corinthians. Those are fun to read for sport because there's just a lot of knuckleheads in the Corinthian church. It was similar to Seacoast. And he writes this letter, these two letters to Corinth and he tells them, grow up, grow up, grow up, grow up, grow up, grow up because they're not very mature. The letter to Philippi is to a mature church. These guys are doing good, loving one another, caring for one another. It's it's a good church. So you would think... You know, he would say, "Hey, just chill. You're all right," but he doesn't. He says, "Here's here's one thing you really need. You need to see more joy. You need more more joy in your life. You need more joy in your relationships. Sometimes you can be so focused, you know, on being and doing and all of this, that you, you know, that you forget to really experience the joy that God has for you." And I got to be honest with you. That's one of my mantras. For this new year for me. is I want to experience more joy. More of what God has in those realms. And so that's what Paul is saying uh, to the uh, Philippians. And uh, he says 17 times. Rejoice. Be joyful. Be glad. And usually, interestingly enough, it's in response to something that can steal your joy. Do you have things in your life that are kill joys? Do you? Would you agree with me? that very few things can kill joy quicker than people, right? See, if relationships are good, life's good. Would you agree with that? For instance, um, you know, stuff can be bad. Life, you know, things aren't working. But if relationships are good, you can handle it, right? But if the opposite of that, if stuff is good, whatever stuff happens to be for you, work or, you know, finances or whatever it happens to be, if stuff is good, but relationships are bad, life's just not good. It's just not because relationships and people can kill joy faster than anything else. Somebody said one time that if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, right? If daddy ain't happy, ain't nobody cares. You know what I mean? It's just, it's not fair, but it is what it is. All right. So here's what I want to do. I want to, we're going to go verse by verse through Philippians, and the first section and the first thing that Paul talks about is relationships. He talks about people and how to experience joy in our relationships. So that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about it in relationships in general, but especially if, as it relates to those two or three people that are in everybody's life that are difficult, okay? So what do you do? Let's look at Philippians chapter 1 and verse 3. It says, every time I think of you, I give thanks to God. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to God. So here's what you do. If you want to experience joy in relationships, first thing you do is practice gratitude. Practice gratitude. Let me ask you if you were going to be writing this, what do you remember about people? What's your natural tendency? Do you remember the good things, the good times? Or do you get stuck on the bad times, the painful stuff? What do you, What is it with you? See, let's look at Paul's experience in Philippi. I'm not sure that when he went to Philippi, I'm not sure he would have posted many party pictures on Facebook because it just really wasn't that kind of an experience. He, he went to this town with Silas, his ministry partner at the time, and they were immediately or very, very quickly uh, arrested unjustly, something they didn't do. And they took them in and they humiliated them. They stripped them down. They uh, beat them. They um, uh, whipped them. And then they put them in uh, a stinking jail cell, uh, strapped them to stocks. Uh, just a humiliating, humiliating thing. And A little bit later that night, it was interesting, as they were singing praise to God, because paul 's got this joy thing going on, there was an earthquake in the jail, and they were miraculously uh, delivered. But the authorities when they came back to the authorities, the authorities told them, "Hey, why don 't you exit? you know don 't leave town and don 't come back so that was kind of their experience with Philippi, and yet Paul says, "When I think of you." I remember the good times. I remember the good things. Paul could have dwelt on the negatives. He could have said, you know, that night in that jail was a mess and I cannot believe how the town treated me and all of this kind of thing. But he focused, instead of on painful memories, he chose to focus on things that he could be thankful for. He practiced gratitude as it related to relationships. So let me ask you this. If you were to write back to a situation in your life, maybe go back a few years because it was a few years for Paul, what what would you remember? Who has hurt you in the past that every time you think about it, the memory of it brings pain? Maybe a parent who was abusive or verbally abusive or just didn't give you what you felt like you needed support or whatever that time when you think about them it doesn't bring wonderful thoughts you you it brings painful memories could have been a you know a business partner ex husband wife whatever boyfriend girlfriend who hurts you and their memory brings pain here's what's happening you're continuing to focus on the bad or the negative and it's hard to have joy when that's your outlook it really is so how can you have joy You've got to be grateful. Well, you say, what can I be grateful for? I mean, everybody has at least some. You may have to look through a lot of stuff. But you can choose. Good memories are a choice. If you want to experience joy in relationships, you've got to focus on people's strengths and not on their weaknesses. We all have conversations like this. I hear it. I've done it. You know, she's a great lady, but... You know my husband's a good guy and he's I love him. But How do you know there's a, always a story in the butt. Do you remember uh, Christine Kane when she spoke here a few months ago she said the body of Christ needs a giant buttectomy. We just need to cut out all the butts. Because when you go to butt, when you talk about the butts You're choosing to focus on the negative. And you know what? Everybody's got a little... There are no perfect people out there. Have you discovered that yet? You're not perfect. They're not perfect. I'm the closest thing to perfection you're ever going to (laughs) see. Joke. I am perfect. No. (laughs) There's no perfect people out there. And so if you want to experience joy, you've got to focus on... The strengths. Now, what did Paul focus on? What did he focus on? When he said, you know, whenever I think of you, I give thanks to God. What did he think of? Um, verse 5. Because you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. Is it, you know, he doesn't go, well, man, you... You helped me out when I was hurting in jail or you, you know, some big deal. You know, you you gave a big gift, you know, when the ministry needed it, whatever. None of that. It's a little thing and it's called loyalty. So, you know, you were loyal to me. You were loyal to the gospel from then until now. So as we talk about being grateful in relationships, especially in difficult ones, who's been loyal to you? Maybe it's a friend, maybe somebody at work. Maybe it's your spouse. Nothing big, but they just hung in there. Even when you were being a jerk. Are you ever a jerk? I was a jerk this week, so I'd share this. Uh, we started the fast. Let me talk about the fast for a minute. We do, not need, we do not need fast police. Say fast police. Fast police. God has not appointed you as fast police. You are not the Holy Spirit in anybody else's life, not even your spouse. Everybody's fast is between them and God. And I hope that you guys are joining us in this because it's great. It's, it, it's painful at times, but it's fun. It's good to connect, disconnect from the world, connect to God. And we're doing it together as a, as a group. And not only just this group, but a million people around the world. So that's kind of cool. But, so anyway, just leave everybody alone, okay? And you do your own thing. So anyway, one of the pieces of my... I'm doing fast different this year than last year. One of the pieces of my fast is uh, to break free of caffeine for this period. And I love caffeine. I, I, I Starbucks is you know, like... They'll, they'll have them in heaven. And, you know, whatever coffee shops at least. And I, I like hanging out at them. And decided, you know, I decided last year too. And so I knew what to expect. I'm going to have headaches like crazy. But it helps me because it helps me to know something's got a grip on me. And, and if I choose to and give my... Focus on God. He can help me to to break through that. And so it was Monday morning, the first day actually of the fast. I'd been off of caffeine for about twenty four hours, and I came into the office and bit somebody's head, everybody's head off as I came through. I had a headache, didn't want to talk to people. <laughs> Went into my office because my routine is on Mondays. I start preparing for the message for the weekend, and then Monday afternoon I have a team that comes together, kind of helps me to. See where I'm headed. And so I had to do that. And so I went in my office and uh bit everybody's head, was a jerk, and walked in, closed the doors to get a word from God <laughs> about joy. <laughs> so I could be joyful on the weekend. So I'm in there getting nothing. Absolutely nothing. I'm praying, God, where are you today? You know, and it's like the Lord, you know, kind okay. Of, Convicted me a little bit. You're a jerk. I don't think God said I'm a jerk. I don't think he thinks I'm a jerk. It's how I interpreted it. I knew I was a jerk. And so I stopped, went out into the front office and said, I am sorry. I was a jerk. And you know what they said? We know. <laughs> You're a jerk a lot of times on Mondays. It's just kind of, the, kind of the deal. But they were loyal to me. I love having loyal people around. Maybe they're just somebody who has been, loyal, nothing big. And you may have to get creative, but you can find something good in everybody. So if you want to experience joy in relationships, be grateful for the people in your life. Second thing, let's look at verse 4. He says, I always pray for you and make my requests with a heart full of joy. He said, I always pray for you, but I don't just pray. I pray positively for you with a heart full of joy of joy. So practice positive praying. Practice positive praying. See, the quickest way to change a relationship from bad to good is to start thanking God for people in prayer. In the church that we were at before here, our first church in uh, Northern Illinois, out in the country, we had 11 members. Actually, we had 13 members. 11 of them voted for me that they thought I should be the pastor there. Two of them abstained. And then they quit two years later, or a year later, and told me exactly why they abstained, and that was fun. But anyway, anyway, one of the, the ladies in the church, um, she was a, just a source of pain in my life. She was a good lady down deep inside, not attractive on the outside. Her social skills were terrible, and she was loud and obnoxious it seemed like to me always had the wrong thing to say at the wrong time do you know anybody like that again don't point okay yeah and um and her name was pat and she knows and uh, you'll like the story so anyway we were we were in the, the little church had a church building they had a parsonage next door parsonage is where the parson stays and the parson is the preacher. And so we had a house, which I, I was so grateful for. I mean, we, we were we were way below the poverty level, you know, and had a growing little family. We had uh, four, uh, three children born there, one just before we came. And, and so the parsonage had this uh, lime green door. Uh, I don't know who had done that. I'm sure it was a good idea when they did it, but it wasn't a good idea then. Didn't match anything lime green. So I just went out and bought a can of paint and painted it black that matched the other trim on the house. But I didn't ask anybody about it. Didn't know you had to take a vote to do that. Uh, was unfamiliar with the whole politics of the situation. And so and so Pat came driving by the night after I painted the house, looked over, and called me first thing in the morning. She may have called me that night. I can't remember. It was one or the other. But anyway, she calls me, and she says, Hey, your door is... It must have been that night. She says, Your door is open. I said, Really? And it wasn't. It's just she was used to seeing lime green. She saw black. And she said, yeah, you may want to close that. Her concern was not for me. Her concern was, hey, we pay the electric bills as a church. It's part of our tithes. And you're wasting God's money. She was the pastor police, okay? And I'm sure in my youth and brashness, I probably said something I shouldn't have. But it was just a constant with her. It was like before I would go up to preach she would steal my joy. She'd always have a little something to say, just a little needle before I... The kind of person that compliments you and you walk away and was that a compliment or did they just... You know people like that? Yeah, again, don't point. I know they're in here. But that's what she would do. And so I would hide before I'd preach. So I didn't have to, you know, see Pat and, and, and all this kind of stuff. So I was so tired of it. I could tell you all kinds of stories. And so one day I was sitting in my office and I felt like the Lord speaking to me that I ought to pray for Pat. There's a novel idea for the pastor to pray for somebody in the church. And so I I thought, well, I haven't been praying for Pat, so I'll pray for her. So I began to pray that she would find another church. (laughs) She obviously was not satisfied (laughs) with the pastor here. God fulfill her desires and find somebody else and uh of course that went away pretty soon because that was about me that was not about pat and so i i began to pray for her and a little at a time i began to pray and have a burden in my heart to pray for pat and god began to knit our hearts together in, in a good way by the time we left freeport pat was my friend my debbie and i's friend her family and uh Uh, We left and and we'd we'd go, I'd call back every once in a while and I'd always ask, you know, how's Pat and her husband, family and all this? And one day I called and I asked the pastor that and he said, well, you know, she passed away a couple of months ago. And I just cried. I really did because God had taken someone who was a thorn in my flesh and made them uh, somebody I was grateful for and I still am grateful for her and her family in my life because I started to pray. Now, I had to dig really deep to get a good illustration of how I did good because usually I don't do that good. You know, I'm learning. I'm growing in God. But praying for somebody does two things. Number one, it changes you. It changes you. I was changed the most. Pat wasn't changed all that much. A little bit, but not all that much. I was the one that changed. But the second thing I think is true is that it does change them. You know, if you just pray thinking, well, they're never going to change and God changed me, that's a good thing, but it can be frustrating. I believe when you pray for somebody, you are invoking the power of the Holy Spirit in their life. It's the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. See? Our prayers are powerful. There's so many verses in the Bible about the effective prayer of good people, that when you pray, that God works. See, you may have somebody at work that won't listen to you, and they need to, but they won't. It's destroying your team. But you know what? They, have no po- they are powerless against your prayers. You may have a spouse that frustrates you to no end. You know what? It probably, you're probably beyond the talking point of getting through that particular issue. If you'll pray, they are powerless to pray. And maybe God will bring them to a talking place. Your kids may be far from God right now. You feel like they're not listening and you feel like, man, I trained them and I trained. You know, the Bible says train a child up in the way that they should go. And when they're old, they won't depart from it. And you claim that promise, but you see no fruit. Continue to pray because they are powerless against your prayers. Because prayer changes you and prayer changes people. So what do you pray for? What do you pray for? Uh, Paul, in the next three verses gives us four specific things that he prayed for that would be a good pattern for us. Number one, that they will grow in love. They will grow in love. Philippians 1.9 says, I pray that your love for each other will overflow more and more. He says, just pray for their love. That you know It's God's will that churches just overflow in love. How does that happen? We talked about that last week. The, the fact that when you come to Christ, that the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you and sprinkles seed inside of you that are fruits of your salvation. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, all of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And as you submit yourself, as you walk in this walk a little bit at a time, you you make your decisions by what's not good for me necessarily or what makes me happy because happiness goes away. Remember last week's message. But you go, what will honor God? And as you submit more and more of your control for your life to God, then the fruit grows and you become more joyful. You become more full of love. And he says, I'm praying that that will happen with you. He says, I'm praying that you will overflow with love. You know, I love this church. I I, I think it's beginning to kind of overflow with love. What a place to be. When you're in a group of people that just overflow with love. How does that happen? Through the, the work of the Holy Spirit. Also, as people pray that that, that comes uh, to, to bear. Second thing is that they will make wise choices. Philippians 1.10. For I want you to understand what really matters. It wants them to make wise choices. And then number three, that they will do the right thing. Great prayer for your kids. Philippians one ten: So that you may live pure and blameless lives until Christ returns. So he's praying for them. fourth thing he prays is that they will bring glory to God. This is the principle I was just talking about. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation. What's the fruit of your salvation? Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness. The fruits of the Holy Spirit. Self-control. The fruits of the Holy Spirit. Those good things that are produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. Okay? So there's four things you can pray for. So if you want to really enjoy people in your life, be grateful. Second thing you do is pray for them. Third thing, this is the tough one. I'm telling you up front, you're not going to like this one. This is the hard one. Here it is. Be patient. How many of you love being patient? Okay? Good. You're weird. All right, let's go on. No, you're not. You're full of the Holy Spirit. Because that's the fruit of patience. Paul looked at people's future, not just at their past. Look what he says in Philippians one six. And I am sure, circle the word sure, I am sure that God, who began the good work within you, will continue His work until it is finally finished on that day when Christ Jesus comes back again. Here's, here's what Paul's saying. I, th- there's no doubt in my mind that there were people in the Philippian church that were irritating to paul because i don't care what group you're in there's going to be extra grace required there's going to be people who just they're hard for you and there were that for paul but here's what he says he says i'm sure all of you i am sure that god will complete his work in you i'm confident not as much in you as i am the god you serve that he will complete his work in you paul looked at people's potential but he was patient with their progress what if we were all like that what if we were all just really patient with the progress of the people around us guess what happened to our family this week we had a new baby (laughs) we have a new grand grandchild about once a week these days (laughs) The last two weeks we have and uh, so i wanted to introduce you uh on screen uh, to sutherland praise surat okay (laughs) And she is the daughter of Jason and Jenna. And she's so beautiful. She looks so much like her grandpa. But anyway, she, uh, and it looks good on a girl. She, um, okay, so, so she has two sisters, all right, two older sisters. The first one is Addison, and Addison's two and a half years old. And her other sister is Everly. And I think I've got a picture of Everly. Everly is 16 months old. And Everly, our, our, or our goal for Everly was by the time Sutherland was born, because they're going to have three children under three, that Everly would be able to walk. And Everly's 17 months old. She should be able to walk. In fact, she has uh, four cousins. There's five of them that are right around the same age. And the other four all walk. And Everly does not walk. Everly doesn't even care about walking. Everly loves life. She doesn't see a need to walk. Everybody serves her. It, get, it gets her around. It's fine. She doesn't want to walk. And so our goal for Everly was that she'd be walking by the time this baby is born, you know. So as family, we'd have a lot of family gatherings and the other little kids are toddling around. And Everly, we try to get her to walk. She'd take like two steps and then she'd fall down and quit. So you know what we would do when she would fall? Here's what we'd do. Everly... You are such a loser. You will never amount to anything, Everly. You quit trying. You have given up. <coughs> we'd like to just take our name off of you because I don't know if you'll ever amount to anything. How would you like to be a part of our family? <laughs> Achievement's way up here. Actually, that's not what we did. What we did was this. When she would take two steps and fall, guess what we do when she fell? we cheer her on. Everly, that was so good. Those two steps were, I mean, they were only two, but they were like five. I mean, they were so good, Everly. And when you fell, you fell so graciously, Everly. Oh, that's awesome. Why? Because (laughs) we believed. uh, we, We looked at her potential, but we were patient with the progress instead of chewing her out we cheered her on see what if we did that to one another what if we cheered for one another when we fell see paul says i am sure that god will finish what he started used to be a t-shirt that said be patient with me because god isn't finished with me yet like that so you need to remember that when someone is messing up when somebody doesn't measure up, when somebody's not making the progress in the time that you think that they should, when somebody is still struggling in their addiction, you need to remember that God isn't finished with them yet. See, before we label someone, are we, are we taking into account what they've been through? There's a great quote from the play Raisin in the Sun. It says this, Child, when, when do you think is the time to love somebody the most? when they've done good and made things easy for everybody, well, then you ain't through learning because that ain't the time at all. When you start measuring somebody, measure them right. Make sure you take into account what hills and valleys he done come through before he got to wherever he is. There's a lot of wisdom in that. See, you don't know where people have been. Christianity is a journey. Life is a journey. Everybody travels at different speeds. But there is one constant. Whether you're a pastor, whether you're a businesswoman, or whether you're a guy that has a hard time keeping a job because of the addiction that you're struggling with. Here's the constant. God is on your side and He will complete the work within you. That's just the truth. I love this verse, Romans 8.31. It says, If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Why don't we read that one out loud, okay? Everybody at the campuses in here. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? I love that verse. I claim that for me. If God is for me, who can ever be against me? But guess what? That verse is for the difficult people in your life too. If God is for them... Who can ever be against them? And if you're against them, guess whose team you're on? It's not God's. I don't want to be on that team. Love Romans 8.35 says, Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean that He no longer loves us if we have trouble? (laughs) That's not what it means. Or calamity? Or are persecuted? or hungry, or cold, or in danger, or threatened with death. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from His love. Death can't. Life can't. Angels can't. Demons can't. Our fears for today can't. Our worries about tomorrow can't. And even the powers of hell can't keep God's love away. That's the truth. God loves you. Even when you screw up, God loves you. When you worry too much, God loves you. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of Christ. If God is for you, who can be against you? If God says He's going to complete His work in somebody, who am I to disagree Come on, there's some of you that have written somebody off in your life. God can't do a work in them. Maybe you're ready to bail on a marriage, and it's way too soon. Or some maybe it's one of your kids. It's way too soon. Maybe it's a friend. See, some of you have actually been written off. Somebody has labeled you a loser. Somebody has labeled you an addict. Somebody has labeled you a failure. Somebody put a tag on you way too soon. You may have put that tag on yourself. But God didn't. See, God calls you something different. He doesn't call you a loser. He doesn't call you a failure. He doesn't call you an addict. You know what He calls you? His workmanship. His workmanship. We'll hit that verse a little bit later. You are God's workmanship somebody said God doesn't create junk you are God's poema is the word in Greek God's poem you are he created you for good works check your pulse real quick you guys alive then God's still at work in you and he will complete the work that he started great great video on YouTube this week uh did you see this one? Take, take a look at it. I had the guys pull it up.
1: There are often homeless people asking for change and freeway exit ramps. But recently, there's been this guy with an interesting sign at I-71 in Hudson Street. His handwritten sign says he has the God-given gift of a great voice. Hey, I'm going to make you work for your dollar. Say something with that great radio voice. When you're listening to nothing but the best of oldies, you're listening to Magic 98.9. Thank you so much. God bless you. And we'll be back with more right after these words. (laughs) And don't forget, tomorrow morning is your chance to win a pair of tickets to see this man live in concert. (laughs) Thank you so much. Well, when I was 14 years old, I was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. When I was 14, I kind of listened to one of our area radio announcers. And uh, I went as a field trip to go meet the guy. And he looked nothing like what he sounded like. So I asked him about that. And he said to me, listen, radio is defined theater of mind. And so when he said theater of mind, I just said, well, hey, I can't be an actor. I can't be an on-air personality. But the voice just became something of, uh, of a development over years. And I went to school for it. And then alcohol and drugs and a few other things became a part of my life. And I got two years clean. And I'm trying hard to. Get it back, and hopefully somebody from one of these television or radio says, "Hey, I need a voiceover, or I, I need something." So, you know, I'm hoping one day. Watch Family Guy weeknights at 7:30 on Fox
0: 28. So, so th- that clip went viral in just a couple of days. By the time I I saw it, it had about seven million hits on it. This guy was asked to be on radio, TV offered jobs. In fact, the Cleveland Cavaliers NBA basketball team offered him a job as an announcer. And it was exciting. So I told the guys, we've got to get that. That's a great story. And then uh, I guess he went on Dr. Phil on Thursday. And one of the guys texted me and said, I'm not sure we can use this story. This guy's story isn't true. He has not been clean for two years. In fact, he drinks every day. And he admitted that. And as I speak, he's in rehab. And so we thought, well, this doesn't fit, we're going to pull the clip, never mind. As I thought about doing it, I thought, well, you know what? God isn't finished with him yet, (laughs) you know? So who am I to say, never mind? It isn't a neat, tidy story, but then none of them are. Mine isn't, and I'm sure yours isn't either. And I thought, who am I driving by every day? Who am I seeing at work every day? Who do I see in my family or who do I think about? And I doubt God's ability to complete His work in him. I'm believing, I'm hoping this guy becomes a story of God's grace and and a trophy of God's grace. So if you're going to enjoy relationships, you've got to be patient with the process. If you're going to enjoy your marriage, you've got to learn how to enjoy your spouse while they're growing. If you wait until, you know, if they'll just meet this condition, guess what? There's always a new condition. It's just never going to happen. If you're going to enjoy your kids, you've got to learn to enjoy them in the process. There's no such thing as the perfect kid. If you demand perfection in others, you're going to be miserable all of your life because nobody is perfect. God, Paul said, I love this, I am sure. I am totally convinced in God's ability to complete what He started in you. We need to claim that. Some of us need to claim that for our spouse, our kids, our friends. Some of us need to claim it for ourselves that God will complete the work that He started in us. So what's the result of gratitude, praying, and patience? Philippians 1.7 says, It is right that I should feel as I do about all of you, for you have a very special place in my heart. Somebody said, if people aren't on your heart, they'll get on your nerves. How many you agree with that? And so, and so how do you love them? How do you love them? Philippians 1, eight. God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Jesus Christ. How do you love difficult people? You don't do it with your love because human love, you know, it's fickle. It comes and it goes. It dries up. You get to the end of yourself. That's why people say, I just don't love you anymore. It's because... Human love dries up, has conditions and all of that. No, you do it with God's love. He says, I do it with the love of Jesus, with the tender compassion of Jesus because God's love never ends. So how do you get God's love? Romans 5.5. 5, we know how dearly God loves us because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. You can't work up God's love It's a gift. He pours it into you. When you come to Him, when you come to the end of yourself and you say, you know what? I'm going to follow you, God. I admit my sin. I'm a sinner. That's easy to do, honestly, because we all know about our shortcomings. But you come to the end of yourself and you say, God, that's it. Then God pours His love in us through the Holy Spirit begins as a seed, grows as we become closer to Him, and overflows as an act of His grace. And you know what? We all need that. We all need that. Life's too short not to enjoy the people in your life. People will rob you of your joy unless you learn how to respond to them in the way that Jesus did and in the way that Paul prayed. I want to pray for you. God, thank you today for your grace. Thank You for Your kingdom in our lives. And now, God, I pray that Your kingdom would come and Your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. I pray that in this room today and in the rooms that are listening, that Your kingdom will come. That You will break through our hearts. God, that we would believe in You. That we would come to a place where we can say with confidence, God's going to complete the work. And I'm going to be patient with the process. So, Father, now help us to respond to you in integrity and honesty. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.